Hello, I'm Sarah James, a lifestyle blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast in the Life Listen Network about two women embarking on a self-care bender. We're both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet it's elusive. And while we may have all the information we need, we don't always get there. We want to explore different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious, looking at body, mind, and spirit, and also just some random talk that's thrown in there for good measure. We we also want to look at the defenses and distractions to keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Okay, guys. Um, well, Sarah and I are together. What? I'm looking at your face right now. I know. Usually we're recording these episodes um, over an internet connection with Sarah in Oklahoma City and myself here in Orange County, but Sarah is out for a visit. I am. So we're together. We're together. Oh. It's so lovely to yes. see your face. I know. This and we're kind of weird, though. We're going to go out to lunch and have Cuban food and mojitos after yeah. we finish so this episode. Maybe we should do a, another episode when we get back from our mojitos. I know. We were just saying maybe we need to do a drunk selfie podcast. I don't know how that fits into self-care. <laughs> yeah. Is that really taking care of yourself? Well, sometimes, maybe, I don't know. Sometimes. Don't know. Um, so we got to talk about something really hard hitting this week. Uh-huh. I mean, this is, you might want to sit down and take a couple of deep breaths, but we're talking about the instant pot. We are, which, you know... <laughs> That thing, I mean, it is so popular. Like, I can, there are massive Facebook groups about the Instant Pot. With like a million people on Millions of people. People are insane about the Instant Pot. And I, okay, I'm going to start by confessing. I have one. I've had one for about a year. I, I don't know that it really lives up to the hype. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I'm you gonna, just got one. Uh, yeah, I just got one. Of course, you know, I did all the research. Um, the Facebook groups were a little bit too much for me. I'm oh, like, I don't even Lord. know where to go. Like, I, don't, I, don't even, I don't even know what to do. I mean, it's but, almost like people are so enthusiastic about it that it's like, is this like a multi-level marketing? Yes. I mean, <laughs> yes, that's exactly how I feel. It's just people it's, are cuckoo about their Instant Pot. So first of all, the Instant Pot, which they really should have called it Instapot, by the way. Well, I thought it was Instapot. Me too. And I said that for years, and then someone corrected me. But I'm just, I don't even care. I'm going to still call it Instapot. Well, it's hard to say Instant Pot. Instant Pot. Okay, anyway. But, so the whole deal with this Instant Pot is that you can do, like, 12 different functions, right? Yes. You've got yes. slow cooker, but people usually use it for this pressure cooking. Which, to be fair, does cook things insanely fast. So fast. It's you crazy. You can put in a frozen chicken breast. It's done in, like, six minutes or something. Yeah. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and then everyone always talks about the hard-boiled eggs. Uh-huh. So I think you can do hard-boiled eggs in four or five minutes. Yeah. Which, I mean, that that's pretty cool. But here's, okay, here's my beef. <laughs> if you have, if it's 12 and 1, I get it. But you know what? I really like my slow cooker. I really like my slow cooker, too. And I, I also really like my rice cooker. Oh, my gosh. Our rice cooker is constantly in use. Mine too. And you can make rice in the instant pot, but you have know you? what? Well, no, because I love my rice cooker. <laughs> well, I I have made rice in the instant pot and I didn't feel that it came out as good really? as it does in the rice cooker. Yes. I, I have agree. tried a number of things in the instant pot and there there are a few things okay i tried meatballs i pressure cooked meatballs yes they got super like giant mm -hmm. and they like sucked up all the sauce mm -hmm. and i didn't like the texture yes i did not love um i did not love rice in the instant pot i've done chicken mm -hmm. it's yeah that's fine good but it's not as good as if you cooked it on you know grill pan <laughs> right 
No, I completely agree. Yeah. And here's the thing too about the Instant Pot. You know, it's, I get it that it cooks so quickly. So if you're in a rush in the evening, you can like throw something in there. Yeah. But I'm more of a slow cooker girl. Like I like to get up in the morning Mm -hmm. and throw everything in there and not have to think about it at all. Yeah. Until I come back and it's dinner time and it's ready. So mm-hmm. I think that's a huge differentiation between people. Like, do you do you want to, like, throw stuff in at night or do you want to do it in the morning? And yeah. I'm more of a, like, okay, we're just going to make some sort of dish and I'm putting it in the slow cooker in the morning. So, I, yeah, it's been one of those things that I haven't been super impressed with. But, man, people love their Instapots. Well, I also find it a little confusing because if you're doing the pressure cooker feature, right, it it warms up for an undisclosed amount of time. Right. And then the timer starts. Right. So you don't know where it is in the warming up process. Yeah. And then it's just kind of this guessing game of like, is it warm? Is it actually on? Is it, is on? it cooking? Is it not working? I have had it never reach pressure. You know, so then really? you're like, you think that you're going to cook chicken super fast, but then mm-hmm. you realize 20 minutes later, like it should have started the countdown by now, but the seal's not right or something. So basically, I've noticed that I kind of fail at it too. And even afterwards, um, you know, it beeps to let you know it's done, but then it's counting down something else. And I can't figure out what it's counting down. I'm like, so yeah, apparently we aren't smart enough for the instant pot is what I'm thinking. I feel like maybe the instant pot is going to get, and this, it is a brand. The instant pot is a brand. And I bought that brand because that's when everyone freaks out about I feel like maybe, you know, the next iteration might have more specific controls and displays because I feel like we can't be the only ones who are like, this is confusing. Right. Right. And I do think, you know, like everything, there's like a learning curve and I could get to a point. It would be nice to have one appliance put away opposed to my rice cooker. I love my George Foreman grill. You do? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm, I have that's... one, but I never use it. Okay, so obviously if we're going to grill chicken or whatever in the evening for dinner, we, we use our actual grill outside. But I will also say I'm not living in Southern California like you, and we can't uh, grill out right, half right, the year. Right. But for lunch, uh-huh. if I want to do different kinds of veggie burgers – quinoa burgers, right. things like that. It's just so yeah. nice and small. Throw it on right there. And That's it's so, so quick. And I'm obsessed with my George Foreman. My I George Foreman, I've not used it in so long that it is covered in dust. And I just keep thinking like I should throw it away. But then I'm like, well, no, one day I'm going to use it. <laughs> I'm serious. You should use it for lunch. I buy like those frozen, you know, different oh, yeah. kinds of veggie patties. Yeah, yeah. Throw that dog on there. That totally makes make sense. Make yourself a little sandwich. Yeah. It's so good. Well, and you can do paninis in the George Foreman, You can too. do paninis. So, like, the thing is, I'm not going to lose that. I'm probably not going to lose my slow cooker because I love it. And I've I do it for love a long the slow time. cooker. And, by the way, we will link up to our favorite brands because mm-hmm. I – I'm I'm pretty particular and I this is my second rice cooker and I if I was smart I could tell you the brand right now but I can't off the top of my head and I'm not home because I'm in Southern California but I'll definitely link to it because rice cookers yeah. are amazing. They're amazing. I'm going to link to mine too because mine is so giant. Yeah. I will cook up a huge batch of rice at the beginning of the week and just keep it in the fridge and my kids eat rice all the time like that's their snack. So do you do different kinds of rices or? Well, I'm partial to brown jasmine. Yeah. But I am a yeah. rice snob. Yeah. Snob. Yeah. 
I grew up on instant rice. Did oh, you, do you know what I'm talking like oh, Uncle yeah. Ben's. Uncle Ben's poured in with the water. It's and disgusting. The salt. It's dis- it's so Once mushy. you realize how amazing rice can be. I'm a total rice snob. I yeah. cook it in the rice cooker. I always add... I always add a little olive oil. Mm-hmm. I always add salt and then a tiny bit of rice wine vinegar. Ooh. And it is so good and savory Ooh. that way. We always do a little bit of ghee or, oh, yeah. or butter. Yeah. But I had the ghee sitting right by it. Um, chopped up cilantro and salt. I and a little squeeze of lime. Oh, see, I love the cilantro and my children like will oh, cry they about d- you know, oh. green things in their food. Oh my gosh. It does taste Even so much Derby better. Even likes cilantro. Isn't that wow. amazing? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So... That is something to say. If you are cooking rice just in a pot on your stove. You guys. You guys. Come over. Yeah. Come on over for dinner. You're not living life. Here's what I love about the rice cooker is that you don't have to watch it. It's just done. You pop that rice in. You walk away and it keeps it warm. Keeps it warm. I love my rice cooker. I mean, I think this probably should have been an episode on rice cookers because as you can tell, we're a, know, a we're lot more passionate. excited about our rice cookers, but you guys have got to get a rice cooker. Well, I was talking about my rice cooker on Facebook, as one does. <laughs> as one does. Uh, announcing that I'm in a relationship with a rice cooker. Mm-hmm. And um, so many people were like, you should get the frozen packs of rice at Trader Joe's. Guys, that is inferior rice. Inferior. It is inferior and it is stupid expensive. Yeah. Rice could not be cheaper. No. Trader no. Joe's jasmine rice. Um, oh my gosh, it's so yeah. good. Jasmine basmati. Basmati. Love basmati. Mm-hmm. I do too. Um, but I will say, I do have the Trader Joe's brown rice and the jasmine rice frozen in a pinch. Because, I do too. You know that takes no. Three I'm not minutes, above it, but but it's not as good. It's I mean, it's nowhere not, is you good. You know when you eat rice and it's like each piece of rice is its own singular delicious little thing. Yes, that's what happens yes. in a rice cooker. It's not mushed together. Yeah. You're not like globbing up right. a hunk of stuck together rice people yeah. listen to us i know we wow. we know we know we know what we talk we, we sound like we the say. instant pot people only about the rice cooker let's start a rice cooker <laughs> facebook group <laughs> i know right now. why are people not as right excited now. i'm gonna do it okay so here okay but back to the instapot which we are we are not selling the instapot <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody is going to buy an Instapot after this. But I will tell you, okay, there are some resources. Okay. So you know, I know, Nom Nom Paleo. It's, yeah, that's a great cookbook. Okay, that cookbook's amazing. She just came out with another one. So now she has two. Paleo chef, mom of two, makes some delicious food. And yeah. she loves pressure cooking. In fact, she does this like Kahlua pork or something. Ooh. Yeah. That, in fact... I reached out as you were Facebooking about your rice cooking and your um, pot. I was reaching out to my Instagram followers on Instagram stories saying, hey, do you have an Instapot? And if you do, what is your favorite recipe? And I got like 75 recipes sent to me, which I'm now compilating and I will have it compiled on a post on my blog. And I'll link up to that too, if I can get it done in time. (laughs) Uh, But um, people love it. And so like poor, like big hunks of like, pork or big meats apparently yeah that makes sense. really good yeah so if you're looking for resources i highly recommend going to nom nom paleo's website we'll link up to it buying one of her cookbooks her food is fresh it's awesome so delicious and flavorful um obviously there's the facebook group that we're talking about but good luck with that because i mean there's like seventeen thousand people like talking at the same time and it's a little bit overkill for me <laughs> but also there is a website called 101 cookbooks and this 
woman makes all different kinds of things, but she's kind of become enamored with the Instant Pot for the past year or so. And she has some great recipes. I made like a really good bean. Beans, oh, by the way. Oh, beans. yeah, beans in the, yeah. You So if you had the rice cooker and then you do <laughs> your beans, and you can take a hard dried bean and you can soak them, but you don't have to soak them. Uh-huh. You can put them right in. And like in less than an hour, they are delicious. Okay, this this is an epiphany for me because I did not know that. And I do love making beans and rice. And that is amazing. So I think that's- So I need to start doing yeah. that. And that's amazing. Because if you could, I mean, my kids love beans and yes, rice. Yes, mine too. So if I can pop crap into the Instant Pot, yeah. the beans, and put the rice in a rice cooker and have yeah. that done in an hour, that's a game changer. Yeah. See, we just, we just changed. We okay. changed our lives right here. But I Just kidding, say, you guys. We love the Instant Pot. We love pot. it. It's so good. I'm so excited. We're going to make something <laughs> right now. But I will say with the beans, I pre-soaked the first time and someone, I reached out because I think I probably took a photo of it. And they were like, you don't have to pre-soak the beans, man. Like you can just throw the beans in there all hard. You know, you obviously pick out the like rocks and stuff. Right. And then bam, ready. And they're oh, like the it. beans that are not mushy. They're right, just, right, just like right. The rice. Oh, I can't wait. I'm doing that. I'm we're so going to do that. that. We're going to do that. All right. We're going to link up our favorite Instant Pot, Crock Pot. Uh, well, it's not kind of crock pot anymore. It's a slow, slow cooker. cooker. That's a cl- uh, classier way of saying it. Although mine is a crock pot. Mine is old is school it? crock pot. Yeah. Um, the George Foreman grill um, that Lowbrow Sarah loves and our favorite rice cookers on <laughs> selfiepodcast.com. So you can check them out there. So one aspect of self-care that we talk about quite a bit um, and also struggle with is working out every day. And we have a really great sponsor that I think might be interesting to those of you who also find this a struggle. Daily Burn is the world's leading provider of on-demand video workouts you can do anywhere with a connected device. You can use their app, you can use your computer, which is great for those of us who travel or who have kids and just can't get to the gym every day. Totally, and you know, Daily Burn has thousands of classes for every level of athlete, um, I've gone pretty deep into it. Yoga, Pilates, <laughs> cardio, sculpt, kickboxing. And there's like all different levels and also different time frames. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if you only have 20 minutes to work out. Um, but my favorite has been they had these treadmill workouts. Oh, really? Yeah. So like you're on the treadmill and it tells you, you know, what to do. Take the level up. Oh, my up. gosh. Yeah, yeah. That's I cool. Have been I need to try that one. Um, another great thing about Daily Burn is that they have an online community. So if you're wanting more motivation or even just to chat with other people who are using the apps, get ideas for different workouts you could try. Um, it's a great extra boost of motivation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've been really pleased with it. I've enjoyed it a lot. So we actually have a great offer for you today. If you visit dailyburn.com slash selfie, you can get a 60 day trial for nice. free. Yeah. 60 days. So like, awesome. that gives you a lot of time. So that's dailyburn.com slash selfie for a free 60 day trial. All right. Well, we are at our last conversation about the Enneagram. Can you believe it? I can't. This we is, made it, Kristen Howerton. We did. We made it. And there are some of you that are sad. And there are some of you that are like, thank God, please stop talking about the Enneagram. I know some of you are. And to you guys, we say, just get on the bandwagon, man. Like, right? I mean, it's, Buy the book. It's better than the Instant Pot. Take the test. Can I say something really quick, though? I, I still am asked a lot, I think you are too, about which tests to take. Yes. So take the test on the Enneagram Institute's Institute. website. It's yes. $12. It's, it's linked on it. our website. Yes, we are going to link to it. So don't do the free ones. No, They're pay just the money. Not, $12, yeah, $12 for yourself. For yourself. I mean, it's changed my life, man. 
You know what? We sound like the instant pot people when we talk about the Enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We we're totally so do. enthusiastic about it. Um, but yeah. so today we're going to be talking about type nine. Um, yes. And we have a conversation with Sarah Bessie. Yes. Um, who is one of my favorite people. She wrote the book, Jesus Feminist. Which I love. I So good. Which is that kind of may, maybe like a nine right there. It is. You know? It is a, well, it is a very nine thing because yeah. one of the things about nines is that they can see all sides of things. Yes. Yes. Now, you know, nine was my second runner up with six. So I was, I mean, I, I am a textbook three. You're a triangle. Um, I am. I'm a triangle. And so three, a six and nine were tied behind my three. And it was really funny because um, I was talking about nines. I think that I was planning for this mm-hmm. with my husband. And he was like, that sounds just like you. Huh. I know. He says, it sounds like you when you aren't doing well. <laughs> Basically what he well, said. He's like, because you can isolate and yes. disappear. Yes. And like not need to be around anyone. And that is definitely a it's a very nine, of a thing. nine, right? You know, what's interesting is oh, we're also going to chat with Baron Harley, who is one of the therapists that I used to work with. She's an old colleague of mine. So we're going to chat with her in a second, too. What's interesting about because we're both threes, threes, they say go to an unhealthy nine place when stressed. Yes. And the way that we do that is threes like to do things well. We like to seem competent. And when we feel like we may not be competent or when we're compromised by time, stress, what have you, we throw our hands up. Right. And we go to the unhealthy nine place of avoidance. Oh, yeah. And I have to admit, I am living in an unhealthy nine place right now. Like that is my baseline the last few months because right. I have some things happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I am identifying with the unhealthy nine right now, yeah. which is avoidance, staying in bed, binge watching, you know, oh, just. Oh, I can do that. But on the flip side, yeah. like nines love to create harmony yes. in their environment. They do. They're very willing. They're, they can walk into a room with all different types of people and attitudes and opinions and somehow find a way to understand a little bit about each person. Yeah, they absolutely can. And I mean, I see that so clearly in my friend, Sarah Bessie, who I'm going to chat with in a sec. You know, she has this incredible ability to boost other people up, to recognize their skills and to encourage to see all sides of a situation. I mean, Jesus, classic Jesus feminist, like, you know, she can pull together um, conservative Christian homemaking moms and like radical feminist atheists and find some level of common ground. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's that's the feat. Yes. That is, that is definitely the good part of a nine. Um, Some famous nines are Abraham Lincoln um, Eisenhower, Gerald Ford, Ronald Reagan, lots of, lots yeah. of presidents, lots of presidents, Kennedy, wow. um, Carl Jung and Carl Rogers, who are both kind of like forefront leaders in psychology movement, um, Gloria Steinem. So yeah, nines, nines can be, you know, yeah. Um, at their worst, they can be avoidant at their best. They can be astounding leaders. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive into a conversation with Sarah Bessie. Hey, Sarah, thanks for joining us today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Kristen. Thanks for inviting me. So I know that you are a fan of the Enneagram. How did you get introduced to the Enneagram? (laughs) Um, I don't know if the the term reluctant disciple belongs here or not, but... (laughs) 
Um, the Enneagram came into my life probably about four or five years ago. I had a girlfriend or I have a girlfriend who uh, was an Enneagram coach. And so she would uh, meet with people, help them find their type and then sort of help them, you know, sort of develop a, a path forward out of that. So we were at a, uh, a dinner and she decided to um, do a few little, you know, mini sessions with people just kind of for the fun of it. And so when she typed me and um, and I found out that I was a type nine, I remember having like a visceral reaction of just distaste. <laughs> you know, like, and, and she kind of laughed at me. She was like, you know, you've kind of found your Enneagram type when you really hate it. I, and I've so, right. And so I never even touched it for probably another year and a half after that, because I just had such a visceral reaction to have to my type and to feeling like, I really hope I'm every other type, but that one. And since this is the one that is kind of showing up over and over again. I just wasn't almost emotionally and spiritually prepared to deal with my junk. And so it wasn't until about a year and a half after kind of that typing session that I returned to it and began to study it. And then it has become in the last three years, probably one of the greatest tools for spiritual formation um, that I have found in my, um, in my uh, spiritual life and in my daily life. Um, It has helped my marriage and my parenting, my understanding of my place in the world, my vocation. I mean, it has been a a, a huge blessing um, that has kind of arisen out of my initial real, you know, visceral reaction that I hated everything to do with it. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Because I I wasn't that super fond of my type either, but they say that that is often true because those weaknesses of that type resonate with us. Well, yeah, I think that oftentimes it's the parts about ourselves that we um, subconsciously know and hate. Right. It's those 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 right. parts of, of ourselves that we don't really want to to deal with or that we like to pretend aren't there. Um, and the thing I think about Enneagram as well, that it, it really is almost the only, um, you know, I, I don't really like the term uh, personality typing tool uh, when I'm talking about the Enneagram. But for the sake of, you know, conversation, we can use it. But it's almost the only one that actually talks about your healthiness and your unhealthiness. Yeah, And when you come confronted with that unhealthiness of your behavior, it can be a really strong recoiling that can almost happen because you're not used to seeing yourself in the mirror that clearly. It's so true. It's so true. And I do love, like you said, it's kind of this spectrum of like moving to health looks like this and being unhealthy looks like this. Um, And I'm constantly, I mean, I do, I literally go about the day thinking like, oh, I'm getting a little unhealthy in my three, which for me (laughs) looks like, you know, um, feeling like I have to get things done, being frantic, being, you know, oh, this needs done and that needs done and everything needs to be done, you know. Um, But I know you're a nine. What does that unhealthy nine day look like for you when you catch yourself and going, oh, I'm, I'm doing this? You know, there are a number of things that I didn't realize were coping mechanisms that yeah. I had developed or, or things that were unhealthy. Um, and that's, I think, the other thing that, that is really interesting about um, Enneagram is that it does have the specificity so that what is unhealthy for me may be a very healthy thing for you. And, and, and vice versa, right? So for me as a nine, um, you know, we're, at, uh, we're in, a, in a number of... Um, of typing kind of books or whatever were called the peacemaker. It's the peacemaker one. Right. 
And so for us, the unhealthiness is just really um, driven by that need to avoid conflict. And so for me, an unhealthiness is like when I am numbing out, when I am avoiding really, really hard, when I am retreating into almost anything as a way to block and numb pain and as a way to keep from engaging, I can withdraw really, really hard and, and go too far inward and become very almost um, fatalistic, right? Of just kind of, yeah, you know, letting things roll and whatever happens, being incredibly permissive and uh, both with myself and with others, you know, like it, it's almost um, like one of the things that has really been life changing for me has been the shift from s- thinking about those moments of needing to look after myself less as self comfort and more as self care. Because uh, Enneagram nines go towards self comfort like it is our job. Like we can do that <laughs> without even. See, have- it's funny because it's the it is the literal opposite of my type, right? You no, know, I don't do any kind of self-comfort. I could go weeks without just sitting down and relaxing because I'm driven by this internal motor. And that's what's so interesting. It's really about what drives us. And for you, you're kind of, would you say, driven by just a desire to avoid? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's, there's this sense of needing to avoid conflict. Anything that disturbs our inner peace right. is something that is perceived as threatening or wrong. And so, I mean, there's times when that can be very uh, minor, right? Or just like a daily thing. Sure. But then there's times like when you're, if you're in a, a major season of, um, of, of loneliness or of depression or of conflict, it can become um, really damaging, right? To, to who you are. And so then for us, our path of health is actually towards engagement because I move towards a healthy three when I'm doing well. Like I look a lot more like you Mm. when when I'm doing well. Yeah. And so then engaged, you're willing to do the things that need to be done. Exactly. And so then that for me, means that I start to feel more engaged. I need to actually believe that I matter in the world, actually believe that what I do counts, um, that how I look after my body or my mind or my spirit or my world actually has value instead of seeing it as right. kind of like, well, who cares and whatever. And I might as well go knit and watch Netflix. So does a nine struggle with apathy um, you know, I don't know that apathy is really quite the word that, that usually is used. Um, it's more uh, sloth, ah. right? This, this, if you're looking at those, you know, deadly sins or whatever else, I mean, you could talk about, um, I think it has a lot of different names. I mean, some traditions would call it like a sadia, um, that sense of like the noonday demon, that, that sense of, um, of just, um, I don't know what we call it, like, almost like a depressive stillness or... Um, it's got an element of laziness, but it's more like literally nothing matters, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I'm not going to be bothered to try. Um, it, as and so me, it, it can show up in amazing. a lot of different ways for us, right? It can show up uh-huh. in, um, you know, spiritually, it can show up in your work and in your vocation. But I think overall, it does tend to look more towards this sense of like, I'm not even going to get started. And there's this sense of almost boredom to it. Hmm. That's interesting. And so how do you push yourself out of that when you're experiencing that? You know, I think that there's a, there's a number of different things that, or spiritual practices that I have engaged with over the years that really do help, um, 
you know, and, and I think that they would probably would depend on, on maybe someone's season of life or where they are. Um, things like prayer and meditation and stillness have been very big for me. But honestly, for a nine who is really deeply caught in that loop of unhealthy um, numbing out and avoiding of conflict, you have to engage. And, and it could be engaging in really small ways, but that is almost always my path right. towards health has been even something as, sim- as simple as engaging with my body, like going for a walk, right? Yeah. Or, or actually eating the food. <laughs> and, right. you know, going, I, this is the most small ways of engaging can then become larger steps towards greater engagement. Um, and sometimes when you are in a really unhealthy place, maybe you can't even get to there. And I mean, we're obviously talking about people who are, um, you know, not struggling with any, you know, other outside, you know, factors of mental illness or whatever else that would impede that. But if you have agency, your agency is engagement, really. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because at the core, nines want to be engaged, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And see, there's a lot of strengths from uh, being a nine that the world, I think, really needs, especially probably at this moment in time. I mean, when a nine is healthy and engaged, um, they are really just an amazing thing to have there, right? And to have in the room, Um, you know, very... um, not just, and, and I think that maybe even one of the big differences for me um, has been moving from the idea of being a peacekeeper to being a peacemaker. And that to me is the difference right. between a healthy nine and an unhealthy nine. Like an unhealthy nine yeah. it w- just wants to keep the peace at all costs, whatever it takes mm-hmm. for you, for anybody else, whatever else is going on. But a it's peacemaker. It's more self-centered. Exactly. Whereas a peacemaker, there can be disruption to that. That means oftentimes disrupting the status quo and disrupting what's easy, um, engaging in conflict in a very healthy way. And so for me, really leaning hard into that identity as peacemaker and beginning to really be suspicious of my tendencies towards being a peacekeeper has been a real path, not only for health for me personally, but I feel even vocationally has really shifted how I view the world and my place in it. And that is a really, that's a really good distinction. Do you have any other advice for our nines who might be listening? <laughs> um, well, I should probably ask people who, who work with me more, <laughs> know more about how to handle us is probably the, the, the better thing, right? Um, you know, I think that there's, um, there's a number of things about being a nine that I have grown to see as being um, a real gift. And I think that sometimes, especially for a world that usually really likes, um, you know, eights and threes and the the energy of those types or even fives, right? Like that and sevens, the energies of, of those kinds of things. Um, having someone like a nine who has, you know, maybe sometimes lower energy, a real uh, need towards, um, you know, uh, peace, uh, towards peace and towards a lack of conflict. I mean, but our ability to be in a room and to hold the tension is amazing. Our ability to see everybody's side, um, you know, and, and hold all the complexity is, is really, um, a a beautiful thing. And oftentimes, um, it is something that we can bring towards being able to like actually respect and hold almost a sense of universality, right. Of all the perspectives, um, and, and hold space for all of them. So there's a lot of things about being a nine that are, are wonderful and good, um, 
And, and then there's things that it just has given me, I guess, an, an idea of what to keep an eye out for so that I continue, can continue on a path of health instead of just kind of sliding back into what, what comes easy, perhaps. And, you know, I can even see where you being a nine path of, for example, you wrote a book called Jesus Feminist. And for many <laughs> people, those are disparate entities, right? Christianity, yes. feminism don't go together. And, you know, I can absolutely see where your personality type made you be able to go, you know what, I can marry these two things and these can live in coexistence and I'm going to tell people exactly how, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that um, both of my books are probably uh, almost such, you know, quote unquote type nine books because I mean Jesus Feminist has this idea of being able to pull these two things that seem like they're at odds for some people and be able to actually bring them together and show how they are harmonious and how they do work together um and and it has a real uh, undercurrent of you know non-judgment and of care and concern and even um you know one of those words that I really love in my work is shalom Right, which is the the peace of God, that sense of nothing missing and nothing broken, that everything is restored. And that to me was really kind of the vision of what that was. And then even out of sorts, I mean, the subtitle for the book was literally making peace with an evolving faith. Like it's such a nine title. (laughs) Such a nine book. Right. (laughs) And I wasn't even into the Enneagram yet. It's funny when you go back and read your work and you're like, oh, wait, I guess it was incredibly obvious to almost everybody. (laughs) Right. I know. Uh, You know, I had a planner in middle and high school, like a leather bound planner. <laughs> that does not surprise me in the least. Isn't that so sad? Like I was a three. I think it's adorable. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I see, but this is what's really great lovely. about having a friend like you, Kristen, <laughs> because when I have you as a friend, I see you when you're healthy and you give me a vision for what it is I'm moving towards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, absolutely. I think you balance me out to like, look, self-care is an okay thing. Like you can give yourself permission to. You can, you yeah. can. I think that um, one of the things I love about being a nine is that we are just like easily pleased. It takes very little. It takes very little (laughs) to make us happy. We take so much joy in like simple things and, you know, good conversation and enjoyment in life and good meals and like connection and even new nail polish. Like we we just, (laughs) we are so easy to make happy. And that's just a good way to go through life, really. Well, is there anything else that you feel like you wish people understood about nines? You know, I think that, um... You know, there's there's some things about nine, I think, that are maybe a bit of a misunderstanding, but I suppose you could say that about almost every type um, of, of thinking that you're almost a caricature of your type, as opposed right. to seeing that oftentimes you are functioning within within that type on a on a daily and even moment by moment basis. Um, and for nines, it's not that we don't care. It's not that we're not engaged. And even times it's not that we don't um, know, aren't learning how to engage well in conflict. Um, and it's more just that the way that we do it is often very different. You know, and I, and I run into right. this a lot of times in the nature of my work because um, I find it really quite hilarious, actually, that I, someone like me, my type who 
you know, needs to avoid conflict at all levels seems to somehow have found herself in this line of work talking about religion and politics and feminism and everything. <laughs> You're not so supposed, true. everything people love to fight about. Right. And so it, I think that having people like me in a space like that can be both good and it can also be difficult. I mean, it's not just difficult for me personally, but I think it's even difficult for people who like the zero sum game or want yeah. you to see everybody as the enemy or, you know, cause that's not how I work. That is literally against everything in me is to see people as the enemy or to not be able to understand where they're coming from or right. to not be able to. So, I mean, sometimes it can be hard to work with people like us when we're in, you know, justice conversations or, or larger conversations around the world and the state of the world and politics and religion, whatever else. But I always think it's good to have someone like me in the room. Um, you know, or someone who is a type nine in the room who is good at being able to pull people together. Um, and find find the overlaps, yeah. find the ways forward towards actually constructive peacemaking. Yeah, and you really do do that. I mean, I have watched you do that, and you you are able to be diplomatic in a way that is foreign to me. You're able to see all sides of things. You, I feel like, have an ability to extend grace um, more easily than I can to people who are you know from a different viewpoint. Um. And, it, you know, it's really funny because when, you know, when we first started talking about the Enneagram and you said you were nine, I was like, what? <laughs> because you do walk into difficult topics and sometimes conflictual or contentious conversations. Oh, yeah. And the difference is, is that it's exhausting for me. <laughs> Some people enjoy it a lot, right? Like they, yeah. they thrive. Like I think like a type type eight, right? They thrive right. on confrontation yeah. and on, yeah. um, you know, the sense of, of being able to be against is something that, right. that is really big. Whereas I, my type tends to be very with, right? And so even though I can engage in the conflict and I care deeply about them, I mean, you and I share that overdeveloped sense of justice and that, that longing <laughs> yes, for do. everything to be made right. 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 But I think that sometimes what drives that longing is different because mine is really about like the peace of the world, the shalom of, the, yeah. of God, right? Of yeah. wanting to see those things happen and, and having a close eye on the ones who are left out from that conversation. Uh, and yeah. I think that that's something that that shows up in, in a lot of different ways for, for a lot of different people. But learning how to own my authority has been a huge part of my own path for growth, because nines do not have an inherent sense, I think, of authority or of agency or of, of making a difference. And so that has been a big path of spiritual growth for me has been like, oh, no, actually, you get to engage and do right. something and be and a part of it voice. the way that you are. I don't have to be like everybody else, but you still have a path of engagement here and a path of caring and being part of this. Well, and you've, you've totally done it. You know, I mean, the fact that you are, you know, out there, I think, um, bringing these disparate ideas together, but also being a voice that both sides can listen to. I mean, I absolutely think you've done it. You've figured out how to walk in, into that authority and that, you know, I mean, it's, it's certainly not laziness, <laughs> you know, you, you haven't seen me in some of my downtimes, <laughs> but well. you have actually, you have, your listeners <laughs> haven't seen me at <laughs> times when I veg out for 12 weeks straight watching call the midwife. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I know you, I, you and I will have a long talk about these things and I will help you find your way to numb out. <laughs> I know, right. It'll be so healthy for you. I'm sure. I know. <laughs> It would be. 
Well, Sarah, thank you so much. This was super helpful. And I just really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and experience on being a nine. Yeah, you know what? It is a really uh, useful tool. Um, I found, found I have felt personally like it's a real gift from God. And it's even, I think one of the gifts that the Enneagram gave me is realizing that there's not one way to be whole. Yeah. Right? Because I look yeah. at you and I think you're not supposed to be like me, Kristen. Right. Like you're supposed to be your full and healthy self, but then I'm not supposed to look like you or like, you know, Tara or anybody else. We all have a fullness of expression that we can bring to the world. And it, it's not identikit womanhood or identikit, right. you know, whatever. Right. There's yeah. there's a fullness that, that in your difference is good. It's not about, you know, I don't know, this sense of you know, cookie cutterness to what maturity looks like right. or what even health looks like or what healing would look like. Healing will look very different for each of us. And I think that sense of permission to really lean into what makes you whole is, uh, is a real gift from the, from, uh, from the Enneagram. And I'm, I always love to talk about it with people. That's for sure. Well, thanks for talking with us. And we have one more interview with an Enneagram type nine. We're talking with Baron Harley, and she is actually a marriage and family therapist. She is in private practice in San Clemente, California. Baron and I actually used to work together for many years. Hey, Baron. Hey, Kristen. Gosh, it's been a while, huh? I know it has been. This has been a fun reconnection for me with lots of people as we dive into the Enneagram. Very fun. And I've loved following you on Facebook and all of your escapades and your beautiful children and your exciting life. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, Baron, how did you get into the Enneagram? What, you know, what made, what led you to look into this? Oh my gosh. You know, um, I think when in that same office where we were working, I saw a book on the Enneagram and I pulled it out and looked at it and thought, well, that, that looks fascinating, but way too confusing. And, um, you know, I pulled it, uh, I came across it later and thought, well, I'm just going to look at this. And once I looked at it and discovered who I was, what number resonated with me, I was just taken with it. I became totally obsessed, um, just really got into it and just find it fascinating. It is really fascinating. And I, I mean, I want to dive into your number in a bit, but I'm really curious, do you use the Enneagram with your clients? I do when, when they seem to be interested, especially with couples. I have found yeah. that couples really love it and can understand each other better when they understand the behaviors or where the spouse is coming from. Um, they really get it and they, they have a new level of, of tolerance. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's a really interesting tool for relationships. I think, you know, for marriages, uh, people can learn so much about how they, how they work well together, but also how they kind of scrape against each other's types. Mm -hmm. And even Sarah and I, um, you know, we do this podcast together, but it's been really interesting even for the two of us to learn more about our own types and our own wings and how we complement, but then sometimes push against one another. Absolutely. You know, I'm in this hiking group and we hike Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings. And we all now know the Enneagram and we all know our numbers and we all relate and talk about the different numbers. And we just, we just understand each other better. It's just so much fun. Isn't it interesting? 
Okay. So you are an Enneagram nine. So talk to us about the nine. What are some of the hallmarks of, um, being a nine that play out in your life? Oh, I just hated it when I saw that I was nine. Did you really? I really did. I just thought, oh, the covers have been pulled. You know, who is it that knows, knows these things about me? Um, but it just, it was just so true. And I think it's, it's that, um, underlying motivating factor, what drives my behavior. I think that that's how we find out what our number is when we have that sort of yuck factor, like, oh my gosh, that is me. Um, (laughs) but it's helped me so much. I, I, my, one of my main experiences of recognizing this thing in me, which is to avoid conflict or to narcotize or to shut down in uncomfortable situations. Um, I've never really noticed that I did that, or maybe I noticed that I did it, but just thought, well, that's just the way I am. But I remember when I was a new therapist and uh, had just learned the Enneagram, I was with a consultation group with a psychiatrist and a psychologist and a couple of other therapists that were just brilliant. And they began talking about something that I just didn't understand. And I could see myself just checking out and going away. But because I was aware of this thing that I do through the Enneagram, I was able to re-engage and come back to the conversation and, and engage in a way that I could ask my questions or just be involved. And I really don't think I would have noticed that had I not understood these parts of me that, that the Enneagram has so brought out and defined. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And I, I find it fascinating that you're a nine because, you know, your job is you're a therapist Mm -hmm. and we both know in, um, especially with couples, conflict is kind of inevitable. It's a job of conflict and yet your personality is conflict avoidant. So how, I mean, how do you, how do you balance that? Well, the thing that I have to do as a nine, because I avoid conflict is I have to step into conflict and welcome conflict and stay in conflict. And, um, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's beginning to be a more comfortable place for me. Um, But I tell you, Kristen, without the Enneagram, I don't think I knew these things about my, I mean, I knew these things about myself, but I didn't think that there was a way out. And what I love about the Enneagram is that there is a transformational path that I can take to do what I need to do to get out of these stuck places. And it's, yeah, like I have a path. It's just awesome. And what, what does that path look like for you? Well, it's recognizing it. It's being aware. So there's, there's the being aware. Okay. This is where I go. This is what I do. Recognizing it and knowing that I, I need to re-engage I need to engage. I need to step into conflict or I need to tolerate whatever's going on and and not um, try to be so go to my comfort zones, which I've done in the past. Um, So, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. So I'm curious with, you know, nines. I mean, they tend to be a bit avoidant. Um, Does this make nines prone to addiction? Yeah, I think it really does. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have to say that I've experienced that myself. Um, 
I am in a 12-step program, which has really been a life changer in my life. And with the Enneagram added to that, it's, it's so helped me through this. But yeah, so if we want to avoid, there's nothing like taking a drink or a pill or whatever right. to, you know, to check out and space out and avoid life. Yeah, if you're seeking comfort, exactly. that is certainly an avenue for comfort and a way to not have to think about the discomfort of difficult feelings or conflict. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Um, my husband is a five and fives are also uh. kind of avoidant. I mean, they really like their space. They like their, um, you know, their autonomy. They they can isolate. And um, so being both sort of avoidant, um, <laughs> we've been married for 39 years and we get along so great because I think we avoid a lot of stuff. But but recently we've been mm. able to tackle more of those things that, that we need not to avoid. Um you know, financial things. I mean, we're both getting towards retirement. So we're, we're talking about those things that, yeah, we don't really want to talk about. And, you know, what are we going to do? And um, it's just so interesting to really understand him so well. Um, He so fits the nine type. Um, It's just so helpful. And I, and I don't want to say that we're all stuck in, you know, a type. It's more like a, um, um, oh gosh, what do I want to say? More like a, a way of being. And, and I think that we have all the numbers in us, but, but we can resonate more with one than another. Yeah. Or we can default. I feel like it's default. It's like what you default to in times exactly. of stress. Yes. Yeah. Default. Yeah. Where you go when things get difficult. Yes. So what do you think, what are some of the strengths though of the nine? You know, what are some of the things about being a nine that you're like, I kind of like this? You know, it's, we're, we're easy to get along with because we, we, you know, we get along, we go along to get along. And, um, so, you know, that's, that's nice. I mean, you know, one of the things that I have had to do was like, what, what do I really want to do? And if there's something I really want to do, then I need to speak up and, you know, put that forth. Um, mm-hmm. but in general, we're, we're sort of like, yeah, we, we, we just, we're up for anything flexible. Yeah. Flexibility. We are peacemakers. Um, Absolutely. We, we see all sides to a situation. Um, we're not stuck in one area. I mean, that's not to say that we don't have our own values and, and points of view, but we can, we can see a broader sense a broader point of view. We can see all sides. Well, it seems like like nines. Yeah. I mean, nines have a, you know, they can handle nuance. Um, you know, they're loyal. (laughs) Yeah. Um, they tend to be patient. Um, you know, nines are great friends to have. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think I'm a great friend. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Is there anything, you know, for people who are listening who, you know, maybe don't identify as a nine that you wish other people understood about nines, like something you want to clear up about nines? Um, I think that sometimes we can get lost in a crowd and, and the fact that yeah. we go along to get along that um, sometimes it's good to draw a nine out and say, well, what do you want to do? You know, how, how yep. do you see this? Um, you know, it's something that my friends will do for me. And, you know, if I state um, a preference for something, 
they really go for that because I don't state a preference for things, you know, so much. Yeah. I think that that's an interesting thing that I think is true of both nines and twos is there is, there may be a perception that they, you know, go along with, they're easy, but at the end of the day, they do. Everyone has personal preference. Everyone has needs and they are just more reticent to share those needs. So I think that the idea of drawing out um, and deferring to is important. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, we're, we're non-judgmental, we're supportive, we're accepting, good mediators, positive trusting. Um, you know, we do avoid conflict. Another thing we do is we avoid anger and we are in the anger triad. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And so we, we stuff that down so it can come out as passive aggressiveness. So that's, you know, another thing that I've had to really look at, you know. So it's not necessarily that nines don't experience anger. It's actually that you do and you just push that right on down. We're, we're not really even aware of it. We, Mm. for some reason, we believe that it's not acceptable. I mean, obviously, you know, there's society doesn't believe that anger is really acceptable, but we really push that down. Um, Yeah. I've got to tell you another, do you know Beatrice Chestnut? Have you don't. She's um, been an Enneagram person, student for years and years and years. And she has a fascinating book called The 27 Types of the Enneagram or something. Oh, and I she, have seen that book. Yes. She is amazing. Um, and, and because each type is also has a, a different aspect, a social aspect, a self-preserving aspect, or a sexual, otherwise called one-to-one aspect. You could just really narrow it down even more, which I find fascinating. But she studied with Claudio Naranjo, one of the earlier gurus of the Enneagram, and it's a fascinating read. Yeah, I want to check that one out. And actually, for our listeners, we will link up to that book on selfiepodcast.com if you oh, guys good. want to check that one out as well. So for listeners who may be a nine, you know, what um, what encouragement or advice would you give to nines who, you know, want to kind of reach their, their best self? I would say to really um, be aware, be aware of those um, feelings and places and checking out be, be aware when you're, when you begin to check out, um, and come back and, and re-engage or, or look at that. Why am I checking out? What is it that's making me uncomfortable here? And just, I think the beginning, the beginning thing is simply awareness of, of what I'm doing here, how I'm feeling, where I'm going with this and to, to move through that, not to stay there. Yeah. It seems like mindfulness is really important for nines. I think it's very important. And, um, and also feeling our bodies, you know, feeling, you know, walking, um, in, in exercise, really feeling the body move. Um, because we check out, we check out of our body. We check out of, you know, everything when we're uncomfortable. It's almost a disassociation. Exactly. It really is almost like that. Um, So just being aware and being aware of your surroundings, as you said, mindfulness, um, exercising, 
yoga, whatever, but just having that more awareness on breath and body and movement and inner feelings. Well, Baron, thank you so much. Any last thoughts for our listeners about the Enneagram? I hope more and more people will get involved. I think it's just fabulous, a wonderful transformational tool. And um, I'm just thankful that you're doing this, Kristen. Okay, fantastic interviews, both. I love that. I love that we ended with those amazing interviews. So no more Enneagram, guys. No more We're Enneagram. done with the Enneagram. You can well, you know we're still going to talk about it. Oh, we still talk about it every day. <laughs> we're going to talk about it soon. Uh, next week, we are going to talk about friendship in your 40s. Yeah, we're going to talk about some of the challenges of um, keeping good friends. Um, I am going to share a conversation that I had with a group of uh, friends of mine who really, we kind of created an intentional friendship community. Um, so next week, we're going to be chatting with Jen Hatmaker, Sarah Bessie, Sarah Goodfellow, Jamie Wright, and Tara Livesay, um, and talking about how we kind of formed a friendship in our late 30s, early 40s. Thanks for joining us. Continue the selfie conversation with us on Instagram at, at selfie podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash selfie podcast. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. A huge thanks to shepherd audio for our intro music. Take care.